Welcome to Fully Yours, a podcast about food, the sacred, and ordinary moments of extraordinary belonging. This is Eva, and welcome to Fully Yours, a podcast about food, the sacred, and all the powerful ways in which food intersects with life, spirituality, culture, and so much more. My friends Christy, Chloe, and I became friends in graduate school studying theology and developed a deep bond over food and faith. We each now live in three different parts of the country, but are nonetheless connected at this virtual table. Thank you for pulling up a chair and tuning in today. In our current season of Fully Yours, we are exploring food and its relationship to time. In this special intergenerational episode, Chloe explores the sacred role that food plays in connecting folks with one another across the passage of time. Chloe, her mom, and her grandmama came together with family for some special homemade spaghetti and conversation. Her grandmama was born and raised in French Canada. She and her husband came to the United States after getting married and they raised their children in California. In this episode, they trace meals through their lived histories, recalling fond memories, unrealized connections, and lots of laughter. Stay tuned for this wonderful episode. Ah, peace. Okay, who wants a sausage? So, Grandmama, can you tell me a little bit about your dinner table growing up? What you remember about that? I remember that uh, it was always full of people. We were eight children, plus my grandmother and my parents, so we always had uh, a lot of people around the table, and I remember being one of the youngest that would be sitting on a bench. We had a long bench that my grandfather had made, and uh, it was on one side of the table, and the four youngest children were sitting there. (laughs) And um, I kind of, I remember, if you're talking about food, that there were uh, a couple of uh, dinner that whenever my mom made, it was not my favorite, and I was Mm -hmm. really, (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
fussing about it. And I know sometimes my mother would say, well, this is all there is, so just have some bread and bread and milk, or <laughs> other times she would fix something else for me. Mm. But, um, and you know, there was al uh, always a real uh, uh, vivid table with, I have six brothers, so the boys, when they uh, were talking, it was most of the time it was about hockey or some sports. And there was my sister and I, so we were kind of a minor there, <laughs> and uh, we didn't say too much. What maybe was a special meal? Well, um, I remember my mom would make spaghetti and uh, stew, and uh, stew was not my favorite, but as I grew older, I learned to like it. And um, like every Sunday, there was a ham, a big ham, and the meat would last, the ham would last for several days, and this would make the, the sandwiches for the week for the children, for all the children. And, um, and also on Sunday, we had chicken, and my mother had a certain way of preparing chicken, so it would go a little further than just the chicken. There was a, a white sauce with it. And um, so we would, if we were still hungry, bread and the sauce was delicious. And um, otherwise, um, I can remember, I think the breakfasts were not really all together. We kind of got up and uh, some went to school earlier than others and my father always was the first one to leave because he was working downtown in Montreal. And uh, and he was the last one to come back home. So he was never with us for dinner because he would usually arrive around 7. How did your family's meals uh, capture a little bit of your culture and even maybe your, your Catholic faith? Do you remember any meals growing up in Canada... And I know you'd often go to Mass on Sundays and maybe come yes. home yes. from Christmas Mass. Yeah. Um, well, as far as now that you just said Christmas Mass, I remember that because we would go to the Midnight Mass and uh, come back home and have the Réveillon, which was a, a meal. Uh, usually it was tortière and uh, sometime at certain... Uh, Homes, they would even have the turkey in the middle of the night instead of having it for the Christmas dinner. Tourtière is a French-Canadian, I would say. It's a pie, it's a meat pie, and it's a combination of pork and beef ground with some um, onion and spices, and um, you cook the meat, and then you put it between two... Uh, uh, the dough of the pie, the top and the bottom. And uh, also to go with it, my mom always made this special, uh, we called it ketchup, but really it was a, a chili sauce that was absolutely delicious, almost as good as dessert. My best memory was the, the tortière. This was so special when because it was just at Christmas that my mother would uh, go and make all these um, 
tortière, those pies, meat pies. Otherwise, it was pretty much, you know, roast beef on Sunday, and there was a ham and fricassee, which is, I don't know how you call it in English. What's it like? It was just the leftover of the roast beef that you mix, hash, mm -hmm. I guess that's what it was, yeah. And uh, the roast beef always ended in hash. <laughs> and um, and we did not have dessert all the time. I think dessert were mostly for the Sunday. Although I remember from just a few days ago, you were telling me a little bit about the caramel ice cream. Mm -hmm. The ice cream, <laughs> yes. Since we were... A lot of children, and um, so my parents have bought one of those uh, ice cream maker that you uh, you crank by hand. And with all the boys, the brothers I had, so every Sunday this was our dessert. My mom would uh, make a preparation with the milk and the cream, and sometimes she would put some uh, chocolate powder to make it chocolate or strawberries. And um, then it was made took quite a while. My brothers were um, kind of take turns who was going to be cranking the, the ice cream maker until the, uh, the ice cream was hard and uh, a lot of things were involved. You had to break ice and uh, have this, uh, um, the salt that you put on the ice to keep it from um, uh, melting too fast and uh, so this was our special dessert homemade ice cream with the real old crank <laughs> mm -hmm. and um, my mom was not the person who would be baking all the time so we didn't have pies or cake that often because she, with her the eight children and my grandparents I don't think she had too much time to play in the kitchen and make pies. And especially if she made some, they were disappearing so fast. <laughs> what was it like to come to the United States and be not only in a new culture in so many ways, but just day to day to maybe be eating different foods? Well, I am from uh, Quebec, so it's French-Canadian. And um, going to the, when I went to the United States, I was about 20, turning 21. And I really did not speak English because where I was from, uh, where I was in Montreal, it was really just French speaking people. And I went to school in French and all this. So coming to the United States as a new bride and not having the language, it was uh, a little difficult. I uh, remember my new husband would try to take me out and meet friends, and I don't think I would say three words through the whole evening, um, trying to understand what they were saying. And once in a while, I would catch a word, and once the I would have figured out what the word was, well, they were talking about something else by then. So it was, I remember this was difficult because of the language, but little by little I had, I made friends who were neighbors and um, 
they didn't speak French and I didn't speak English, so we had to finally understand each other and we taught each other and uh, I was able to uh, learn English and be able to um, converse as well as I could. <laughs> and um, so that was one difficulty. As far as for the food, I feel that whatever we ate was pretty much the same um, as um, in Canada, but we just had our little specialty food like tourtière that uh, we I never saw here in the United States. And um, otherwise, I think it most of the food is this pretty much the same. And mom, <laughs> what <laughs> what do you remember about your dinner table growing up? Building off of, of what grandma shared. Well, it's funny because the things that my mom were saying <laughs> are a lot of the foods we ate. She prepared a lot of the foods from her childhood. So we had roast beef with au jus. You know, we didn't have thick gravy like um, my friends had here. Uh, and it was great. My mom can make the best roast beef. And I, I cannot, I can't make the, the gravy that she makes, the jus. It's so good. Um, and the hash after the roast beef was so good with the potatoes and all the spices. Uh, we had flank steak that she would make with tomatoes. Do you remember that? You sliced it really thin. And did you put yeah beef and tomatoes? That was so good. Um, over rice. We had a salad every night. We had a vegetable every night. Uh, always a vinaigrette, homemade, which was so delicious. Uh, Mom could make a variety of different chickens, um, spaghetti, chipino. Oh, so good. <laughs> French onion soup. <laughs> Yeah, my mom was a really good cook and um, an excellent cook. And we were very fortunate growing up as kids. We had delicious food, always fresh. Even when my mom worked full time uh, as a nurse, she worked night shift, she worked day shift. She always made sure we had fresh food, homemade food. Not a lot of baked goods. We took over that department. The kids, the kids <laughs> baked. <laughs> but... Uh, Oh my gosh, we had Cherry's Jubilee. Do you remember serving that on fire? <laughs> that was for special occasions. My mom would make special desserts for that. Yeah, and I have to say, her turkey dinners for Thanksgiving and Christmas were always great. I loved her stuffing. That's when we used to stuff the turkey, <laughs> when it was okay back then. Uh, but it was really good. And I do remember my dad helped. Because um, my mom worked, and so, especially on the holidays, he would help um, prepare the meals or, you know, be kind of like the sous chef for my mom. And I worked on holidays, you know. Yes, mom so worked on holidays, definitely. So your dad had to prepare the turkey himself. Sometimes. And he would call me at work. <laughs> <laughs> now is it the time to put the turkey in, and how do you, what do you do with the stuffing and all this? You know, that was really funny. Fun, yeah. And I, I have to say also my parents, uh, being French, would add wine, uh, beer. <laughs> There's always some alcohol that they would add to the food. Of course, the alcohol cooked off, but just that flavor. Uh, and I remember when um, my boyfriend, now my husband, <laughs> when we first started dating and he was eating 
meals with us. You know, he had to get used to that flavor. He wasn't used to that. You both brought up spaghetti, and that is something that we just finished, and we just had a big <laughs> meal of spaghetti. And I wonder if the spaghetti that you're describing is maybe a little different from type of spaghetti that others might be familiar with. I know the flavors for me, there's something. Can you tell me a little bit about what goes into the spaghetti and why it's special and who it reminds you of? Well, I remember it would start with one can of tomato, one big box, a can of uh, tomato juice, and uh, some uh, two small can of tomato sauce or tomato paste. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, and after that, we would have add green pepper and um, onions and garlic and celery and and, um, a a bay leaf and red pepper flakes. And, And, you know, you had to be careful not to put too many because sometimes it was getting a little hot. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's the bell pepper that really makes it, mm-hmm. and then the pepper flakes. Yeah. And it's a thick sauce. The, ma- the meat, it's a rich, it's very rich. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, you could just scoop it without any noodles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't need any noodles. Um, but it definitely has a flavor that I know growing up that uh, that was the spaghetti sauce I loved. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my mom, with five kids, the we didn't always have birthday parties because, you know, we were, it was pretty hard to handle all of that. But for our birthday dinners, we always got to choose. My mom would always say, what would you like? And I always said spaghetti. I could not get enough of it. <laughs> and Grandmama, where did you learn to make spaghetti like that? Well, this recipe was one of my older brother who had gone and uh, had dinner at his friend. And uh, they were a big family also. I think they had uh, 10 or 11 children. And he had that spaghetti, and he just couldn't get over it. And so he, uh, my mom says, well, get me the recipe. And so we got the recipe, and that's the spaghetti we're making now. Mm-hmm. That was many years ago, yeah. And that was, that was the spaghetti sauce that I made for you as you were growing up. Um, and it was always great. We'd have a, a big pot, so there was always leftovers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, over the years, whenever I would make it, of course, I would think of my mom, and I would always think of my grandmama because that, I knew that that was her recipe. And even today, when we were cooking at the stove, I just started cracking up, and I said, Grandma's here <laughs> making the spaghetti with my mom today. It's been a while since we've cooked together, and it just reminded me so much of home and grandmama and my mom, so... And speaking of not getting enough of it, <laughs> I think three of us at the table were spooning it on top of bread at the end uh-huh. without noodles. Mm-hmm. I think for me it's the bay leaf. That I don't know if you can actually taste it, but that you think that's, that's the signature mark. Mm-hmm. Both of you, it sounds like, grew up with certain experiences with food and in your family. How did you then decide what sort of role food would would play with your own family when you're raising your own kids? Um, Grandmama, you were kind of balancing a little bit of being in a new culture in California. You had 
the microwave come out. <laughs> I heard you took you became the microwave connoisseur and took took some microwave classes and learned how to make a baked potato in the microwave. Yeah. <laughs> and and you had these beautiful homemade meals and mom went to school with the bologna sandwich, right? That was your staple. So we're always kind of, you know, experiencing what we grew up with and then what we're experiencing around us. And mom, same, same for how you raised me and my sister. I think we, um, it was sort of a, a merging of different food cultures. So was there anything that, that you really did intentionally or, or something that felt important to you that you wanted to pass on to your own kids? Well, what was important, what I think has been important for me was for the holiday, what we cooked, those, the tourtières, those meat pies. And this, I absolutely wanted my children to um, taste it and maybe go ahead and make them later on. I have a few of my children who do make them at the, the Christmas time. So that was one thing that uh, had left, in, you know, that I really felt was important to carry on this special recipe you've done a pretty good job between the meat pie and grandma's ketchup Uh yeah they they have to go together and they're just delicious Uh yeah so we've done pretty good with that yeah for me for uh our children um don our your dad (laughs) comes from a large family of eight and food that's one of the things I noticed right away was it was really important for them. There was always a spread, not not just at mealtime, but, you know, for sitting together and talking and watching a show together. They always had his sisters and, and uh, your dad just put together these spreads of food that were just beautiful. And growing up with my mom and dad and all my siblings, you know, food's always been very important um, at celebrations and every meal and to sit and talk um, and to to share on a daily basis with the family. It really pulls the family together. So that was always important for your dad and I with you guys. And we had you guys come and sit at the table and no television while we were eating. And we didn't have cell phones since. We had to worry about that. Um, but just to sit down and enjoy each other every day, every day to reconnect. And then, of course, holidays, you have, you know, certain favorites. And uh, your dad loves to cook and create great spreads as well. Uh, that was one way that he really was able to get some buddies to help watch baseball games with him. While I worked on the weekends as a nurse, <laughs> he would have the girls, and they'd love to sit with Dad because he had all kinds of good foods <laughs> at the table. So he was pretty smart that way. Uh, but yeah, then you guys learned about sports as well, so that was really fun. So, but food is always it's it's very important. I think not just for culture, but family and sharing, and and then your health as well. And so, and celebrations, yeah, yeah, and to take time. Oh, that's what I was going to tell you. So, um, we've always sat down to have dinner, and it would take about an hour, and uh, our friend would just crack up because she knew that when you guys came over to visit, they would be sitting down for at least an hour to have dinner. But yeah, you guys loved your food. You love to wear your food sometimes too. (laughs) (laughs) Spaghetti, by the way. (laughs) 
Grandma Ma, you um, grew up in this French-Canadian Catholic family, and Mom, you too. Um, and something that that I remember from my Catholic theology classes back in high school and college um, was this idea of, of the sacraments. And there's some very important sacraments in Catholic tradition. Um, there's a set amount, but also sort of this sacramental worldview um, I guess sort of imbuing the day-to-day things as as openings to to the divine or the sacred that's all around us. Um, what are your what are your thoughts? Do you feel like food's ever kind of been a doorway to something deep or meaningful? It seems like from the conversation, yes, but just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Well, when you sit down together and you hold hands and you start a meal with with um, a prayer, uh, a blessing, grace, I don't know how it can't. You know, it just brings forth the um, specialness of the moment, uh, the presence of God, His life, and it's a it's a a moment that you share together every day. In what ways has food ever been a bridge for you? Um, across time, the day-to-day, the hours, the minutes, um, and then also maybe across kairos, kind of this idea of time that can't really be measured. So, for example, I'm thinking about the spaghetti and how even this evening there was a special connection, mom, with your grandmama, and grandmama with your mom (laughs) um and I'm thinking when I have I can never say it right tootsier (laughs) tootsier (laughs) when I have that even now or even when I smell it um around Christmas time it reminds me of when we were little kids or at Bodega Bay and running around so food becomes sort of this uh time machine in some ways It, it connects points of time yeah just Sometimes walking in the kitchen and you smell some cooking that brings you back to maybe when you were a little child, like a you know a six-year-old that knew that mother was making the favorite dish or something like that. So it's uh, and uh, I think also the fact that uh, when we uh, assemble for the meal, it's kind of a Everybody gather and uh, share either their day or share something that happened or a story. And I, I think I think the meal time uh, in a family uh, really um, help a lot of communication between everybody because with nowadays we're so busy going here and there. And uh, so it seems like the meal is a time where we stop and we, s- we can share uh, stories or um, uh, problems. And uh, it's a time where we are together, communicating together, which is wonderful. And if people that really never have a chance to do that, I think they really miss... Uh, something and you know i actually don't think we can f- finish without mentioning maple syrup oh. 
Oh, maple syrup. Boy, that brings back a ton of memories, just like what we were talking about, memories. Um, well, you know, being French-Canadian, we, we are known for our maple syrup, and it's kind of a joke, you know, that we pour it on everything. So, um, Except it's not a joke. Not. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it was very serious for my father. <laughs> my girlfriend used to laugh because Grandpapa would take a bowl, it was my dad, and he would tear up French bread and put milk and strawberries and then throw maple syrup on top of that. <laughs> and they just laughed. But uh, we took, I'm a high school teacher now, and so we took um, our French class to Montreal. And we went to one of the um, maple farms, sugar shacks. And at the table, they had like every three feet a pitcher of maple syrup and the girls were very intrigued by this like what what do they do with this and you would have the plate of food and you would see people literally just pouring the maple syrup over everything <laughs> in the plate <laughs> that reminds me of a recipe that uh, using maple syrup it's uh, we call that um, eggs cook in maple syrup oh. so you <laughs> You take a good amount of maple syrup and you put it in a little pan and you bring it to boil and you break a couple of eggs in there and then you let them cool a little bit and you eat them and it is delicious. We made maple syrup um, suckers at the, at the sugar shack and it was in the winter so we took the fresh maple syrup and we poured it in the snow with, and put a stick in it. And it, it froze immediately, and that was really, really good. <laughs> ah, so my grandmother would send us a box every Christmas, and she would always send maple syrup cans. And there is one particular syrup that we have grown up on and that we swear is the best maple syrup, and it's in that can, and it has a picture of a maple farm with the, it's a little, uh, like a little cabin on it. It's it's the best maple syrup, but that always reminds me of my grandmother when I see, when I see that can because she always sent it to us. And I do have to admit, when I was younger, I don't know that I loved maple syrup as a kid because my mom used to buy Aunt Jemima's <laughs> syrup because <laughs> it was too expensive to have maple syrup here in the states, and and we only got it at Christmas time. But as I grew up, you know, I never buy that syrup at all. We always use maple syrup. That's I love it now. So, sounds like Grandpapa was pioneering French toast deconstructed <laughs> without cooking. <laughs> That's right. Fresh, fresh French toast. <laughs> oh, Grandmama and Mom, thank you so much for sitting down with me, and this is very special for me to have this recorded, um, and just to to have your voices and your memories. And thank you for sharing with us. with my daughter <laughs> yes very special to be with my daughter and my granddaughter <laughs> yes that's really wonderful and sharing things memories that were so sweet in both ways <laughs> well grandma can you say goodbye for us in french Right now it's evening, so I will say bonsoir et bonne nuit à tous. Merci.
Thank you so much for joining us at the table. We would love to hear from you. Let us know what you think by leaving a rating on iTunes. Or if you have show ideas, comments, or just want to reach us directly, send us an email at fully.yours.podcast at gmail.com. For today's show notes, our blog, and more, be sure to check us out at fullyyourspodcast.com. Huge thanks to Steve Dry and Catalyst of Harvard Epworth United Methodist Church, based in Cambridge, Massachusetts, for their generous grant funding of this podcast. Shout out to the talented Joel Adams and Melody Stanford Martin for producing the original song featured in this podcast. Also to Melody for our gorgeous logo design and to our dream team for keeping us grounded and inspired. Until next time, we are fully yours. <laughs>